you're buying in a manner that it's not one large purchase. You have to think about multiple smaller purchases. This allows for buying across a variety of market conditions. It allows for improvements in technology. You may have benefits here in, in contract mechanisms that could get overlooked. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. We hope you've enjoyed our first few episodes and invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations. Today, we share a conversation that took place at our recent Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum between our Director of Education Programs, Peter Kelly Dittweiler, and Greg Cozier, the Director of Constellations Commodities Management Group. Greg has over 25 years of experience in the industry and offers useful tips on mitigating energy risk for renewable energy buyers. I know you'll leave this conversation with lots of ideas for your own renewable energy strategy. Let's dive right into the conversation with Peter and Greg. Hi, my name is Peter Kelly Detweiler. I'm Director of Educational Programs for Smart Energy Decisions. And with me today, I have a former colleague and good good friend with whom I worked at Constellation for a long time, uh, Greg Kozier, who directs the Commodities Management Group at Constellation. And today we're going to talk about how buyers manage their energy risk, both in terms of a legacy buying, the way they used to buy electricity, and now as we lean forward into these uh, renewable PPAs that have longer terms, are tied into a specific unit, what are the challenges and opportunities there? And Greg's been in this space for oh, as long as just about anybody in the industry, so I know we're going to get some interesting viewpoints from Greg. So Greg, thank you and uh, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Peter. Glad to be here. Good to see you again. You're right. I think it's two dinosaurs in the industry talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> between us, we probably have... 40 years in, in the <laughs> It's almost 50. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk just a little bit about how you manage risk in the legacy? You know, the old way when we were buying commodity, we had these, say, you know, one, three, five-year contracts with customers. What were the main goals you try and do in that sort of legacy environment to help customers manage their spend, cover risk, and, and those sorts of issues? Yeah, and, and these are these are like the bread and butter aspects of, of energy risk management. So you've got buying at market, which is just simply going to be you, you want to buy at a price that is either you've whittled your margin down with a supplier or you're not including a lot of forward premium in the price. That's probably number one in, in, in terms of focus for buyers. Then, then another one is you're going to be want to, re- want to reduce volatility and spend. Again, that that may be to try to even out what your costs are either by month or by quarter. Then you've got goals like meeting or beating budget that we're going to take into consideration, basis risk, which is the, the differential between where you're buying energy and where you consume the energy. And that's something that's going to become a really important part of the conversation when you bring a renewable purchase into the mix. And then you're going to have, as a buyer, you're going to have some corporate directive, things like volume restrictions as to how much energy you can buy over a period of time, maybe a term restriction as to how far out you can buy, and then a concentration of risk with suppliers so that you don't have all of your energy supply eggs in one basket, for example. 
Great. And I know from working with you in the past that you actually took a lot of care to find out what each customer's risk profile was, what they were comfortable with, what they weren't comfortable with, with a series of questions and then ongoing dialogue over oh, many years in some instances with some of these folks you've been working with a long, long time. If you look across the whole range, is it a very broad range of risk that some buyers are willing to accept versus others? That's a great way of putting it, is that you have a, a huge swath. We might see that buyers that have a, a lot of commodity in their portfolio, for, so like a manufacturer, for example, may buy shorter term and they might buy something that feels more index-based. They, they may not necessarily want to want to buy a great deal of that energy in advance because they want their prices to be as close to market because energy factors in such, to such a large portion of their cost stream. They may want to buy their energy very close to what the market price is, meaning the index price. Then you may have retail, for example, or the hotel industry where they may say, I, I need to know what my costs are going forward for two, three, four, five years. And they may want to actually have a large portion of that budget known in advance. So they'll skew towards more the conservative side. But in any event, to, to help an energy buyer build out a, build out their budget, you're going to have to have some sense of what these goals are in advance. So you pay for certainty in, the, in that sense. But you pay for certainty, right? And the way you do that is typically you're going to skew to something like that fixed price product. So when we think about the, the three main ways that buyers will buy their energy is you're going to have these legacy purchasing strategies, which have got very simple names like fixed price, that's going to remove a lot of that uncertainty from the equation. And you're going to have a good sense of what that price will be at the time the invoice arrives. Because really, in many cases, if you do this in its most complete format, where you hedge a lot of the non-ancillaries, you include a lot of the, the excuse me, the non-energy parts of the of the price into the contract, it really, it's the only down to usage fluctuation. You're taking out a lot of the variables. And again, that that manufacturer, especially somebody in a commodity market, you may have somebody who's willing to buy at index and in its purest form, that's going to be either simply the day ahead of the real-time price, perhaps with no no blocking, you know, that, that's that's part of this strategy, no purchase of the energy or very little purchase of the, of the, of the energy in advance. So, Greg, can you kindly discuss a little bit more of this challenge of diversification, this 401k and geographic diversification? How should we think about that? Yeah, and that's that's a part of the conversation that'll come in from the managed product approach that we hit on you know, back in the legacy energy strategy. So if you think about buying a 401k approach, you're buying in a manner that's it's not one large purchase. You have to think about multiple smaller purchases, right? So this allows for buying across a variety of market conditions. It allows for improvements in technology. You may have benefits here in, in contract mechanisms that could get overlooked. Another aspect of this is, is that if you make a series of renewable purchases, your PR department's probably going to love this. Your marketing department's going to love this, right? Because now they get to make multiple announcements mm -hmm. around energy purchases and projects being built. There's a PR apple there that you have more than one bite at. If the buyer thinks that maybe the load is too small to buy multiple times, you can buy as part of a pool. There, there, there are aggregations that take place. Constellation does this where we will aggregate buyers to have multiple off-takers on a project. So you don't necessarily have to buy and, and be the sole consumer on a project. And that's something you're going to want to work with your supplier on. The diversity side of this is something that also has to play into this. So you don't want to buy all of your purchases or all of your renewable energy in one part of the country, unless your load is located in just one part of the country, right? So if you diversify your purchases, you're diversifying your reliance on one developer, you're diversifying based on one technology. So maybe you can bring solar and wind into the into the picture. Your contract me mechanism may be a little bit different, but geography is certainly going to be a very important part of this. So 
you may have tax incentives on the buy side that would could make one type of project or one technology more attractive in one part of the country than another. But from a buy side perspective, the environmental benefits of that project will probably accrue where you consume the energy. So a lot of folks will want to try to align the consumption and their and their production into the same maybe regional ISO, for example. But it also addresses that basis risk that I touched on earlier. So trying to roughly fit the size of the renewable purchase to the load that you have in a region or the load you plan to have if you're going to expect to grow into that purchase, that could work really well. So that way you have the environmental attributes, the the energy located in one area. There isn't necessarily a lot of, of that shipping and delivery I, I might have touched on earlier where you have to move the energy great distances. So think about buying energy in Texas, but actually consuming it in Illinois as an example. If you can spread your purchases around so that you have energy being produced in Texas and being consumed in Texas, being produced in PJM and consumed in PJM, all those things will help to mitigate some of that basis risk. And it'll probably bring your energy supply costs and your energy consumption a little bit more closely in the balance. So you're buying and you're a large customer. You could be buying tens of millions of dollars or more in markets with the most volatile commodity in the world. And then you've got... What, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, right, where prices can be negative and then go to $9,000 a megawatt hour. So now you add to that real complex witch's brew already, this whole renewables piece where now you might be talking about buying from a specific wind farm or solar project. The pro- it could be a 10 or 12 or 15-year contract. And you've got all these other issues. Can you walk us through some of those challenges and what buyers have to think about? Yeah, and so that, that's the next part of this conversation then is going to be what are the characteristics that a renewable portfolio or renewable purchase rather brings to the portfolio? So first off, you may have an overlap existing purchases, right? The renewable PPA could coincide with energy you have already committed to. So it may overlap and it may now put you into an overhedge or an overbought position for a period of time. The other aspect of this is going to be an uncertain start date especially in, is the case with new build projects, you may not necessarily know exactly when that energy is going to arrive. You may have a target start date of January 1, 2021, for example, but whether or not the developer hits all the construction mileposts to get that project online is, is still a variable. So you may have an uncertain start date, and that's a very unfamiliar territory for a legacy energy buyer because typically you always know precisely when the energy starts flow and then precisely when the energy is going to stop flow. You may have a very long contract term. I mean, that, that's a common part of this is, is that it's not, unfam- not unfamiliar to see 10 or 20 year arrangements around PPAs. You could have a very large volume commitment. Clearly, that's a big risk item in the portfolio is now all of a sudden you're, you're the buyer of the output from a 100 or 200 meg wind project, for example. Budgetary risk is another huge part of this. So does the price change? So when you look at the PPA that the energy is being purchased, do you even know what the price is? You may know what it is on day one, but if there's an annual escalator involved, that could change over time. And so that that generation price may arrive or might may change over the life of the contract. So you have to understand how that works. Then you hit some of these more complex aspects of this, which are the unit contingency risk, meaning you only get the energy when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining. And that may not necessarily sync very well with the customer portfolio, the way they actually use the energy. You've got this variable generation risk. And this is something that can really surprise buyers is, is that when you're in the conversation with a developer, you'll typically talk in terms of what the project will produce on an annual basis. But that doesn't arrive rateably over the length of the contract. It's going to arrive with some, with some seasonality to it. 
think a wind project that's going to have a lot more seasonality or a lot more production rather in the springtime and in the fall than it will probably in the height of the summer. And the height of summer may be when you need to consume most of that energy. Similarly, with the, with the solar project, right, you're going to have a lot of production middle part of the day, the, the middle months of the year, and then certainly less as you get off to the tails. So that sort of variability in the way the energy is going to arrive across the calendar is very different. And that can be associated with a covariance risk. And this is where you get into this, this last point here around basis. Depending on where that energy, where that project is located, the covariance, which is the way that that project produces energy and then de- delivers to a particular point on the grid, could really suppress prices on the grid. And this is where you have now a lot of wind projects, for example, or a lot of solar projects in one area delivering to a particular part of the grid. And that price can now get very depressed, perhaps even go negative. And then basis risk, which is something that sort of is tied into this, is you're buying the energy in one location, whether it's the project node or more or more commonly these days, you're buying it at a particular hub. But where you consume the energy could be a great distance away. So the energy be, could be consumed at a load zone that does not reflect that same surplus condition, depressing prices, and may even re- reflect more of a scarcity price. There's a lot to think about here. What if you're, <laughs> and you're dealing with these energy buyers you have for years, for decades yeah. now, not to rub it in, and then suddenly, you know, could be the, the sustainable chief sustainable officer or the CEO or someone else says, hey, uh, guess what? I just got this PPA for you. And it's, it's yours to manage. How do you take that and integrate that into what you already have in your portfolio? What are, what are the challenges around that? Yeah, so that, that, that's sort of the example of if the PPA gets dropped on you as the energy manager, how do you, how do you adapt your portfolio to accommodate that? So, you know, one I'd say is, is you know, try to quantify the exposure, right? You know, understand things around when that delivery is going to start, what that looks like in terms of volume, are you going to get project recs with it? How does the price change? You know, is it is it one flat price across the entire term or is there an annual escalator involved? Maybe you want to be able to turn that energy off. Do you have the ability to curtail if prices at your delivery point go negative? So there, there's a lot of things there that you have to try and understand around the exposure that you as the buyer have. Then you want to understand, you know, what are the products available to me that could help mitigate that exposure, right? So your energy supplier, a power marketer, a bank, for example, may be able to offer you a basis swap to help move that energy to a location where it's more applicable, where you actually consume the energy. Or you may have insurance style products that like a better like a volume firming arrangement or an option, you know, something like a, a cap, a collar that may help mitigate some of the price and volume fluctuations across the term. And then the last one I'll say is, is you want to talk with your energy supplier, right? Because there are ways of taking delivery of energy physically rather than in the virtual style that, that's more of a financial product. You can do a physical delivery and that supplier can actually bring the energy to your light switch. And it takes a lot of the risks that we've just talked about out of the equation. So I can imagine these days you are having some very interesting conversations with buyers all across the United States. It happens more than you think. It certainly has changed the conversation, especially in the more recent years, around how to take into account these variabilities that have really changed the way we have to think about the energy and how it's consumed. It's not just purchasing in one location for one discrete period of time. Now you may have to adapt that purchase to accommodate a much longer purchase, one or two much longer purchases in the portfolio that merely may have disrupted the way you bought energy in the past. Well, it's never a boring conversation with you, Mr. Kozier. I appreciate your insights today. Thanks for being with us. And I truly look forward to the next time you and I are able to cross paths in the future. 
hopefully at one of these SED events. Sounds great, Peter. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Greg Cozier for his insights and to Peter for facilitating this interesting conversation. Greg's bio and related links can be found in the show notes for this episode. And to learn more about how you can become a part of the next edition of our Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum, taking place December 7th through 11, visit our website, smartenergydecisions.com, or email our event operations director, Lisa Carroll, at lisa at smartenergydecisions.com. To our listeners, thanks for engaging with our content and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. We hope you walk away with at least one practical step towards managing your own risk in renewable energy sourcing. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. We're excited about the first season of conversations with leaders of the energy transition and hope they help you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. 